This is the Master Brewers Podcast, brought to you by the Master Brewers Association of the Americas, a volunteer organization dedicated to continually improving the products and processes of our membership since 1887. Master Brewers brings you interviews with the industry's best and brightest in brewing science, technology, and operations. This Master Brewers podcast is proudly sponsored by Hopsteiner, a global leader in the hop industry focused on quality, sustainability, and innovation in new hop varieties and hop products. Contact our brewery sales team to provide you with the hop-related tools you need to craft your next great beer. For more information, visit hopsteiner.com. Additional support provided by... Get to know Proximity Malt. We malt superior, European-style, low-protein varieties grown close to home in Delaware and Colorado. Domestically grown, precisely malted to style. With our team of seasoned experts and two brand new malt houses, try what's really new in malt. Check us out at www.proximitymalt.com. When a maltster across the world calls something a crystal malt, they are specifically referring to a roaster-produced caramel malt, where if they were just called a caramel malt, you don't know what the method of production was. This week on the show, Cassie and Bob from Brees talk about kiln versus roasted malts, differences in the production of various caramel malts, and tools to determine how any given malt was made. This episode originally aired in June of 2017. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode that you won't want to miss. Welcome to the Master Brewers Podcast. I'm your host, John Bryce. Today, I'm joined by Cassie Liscom and Bob Hansen, both of whom are involved with technical services at Brees Malt and Ingredients Company. Bob is one of the lecturers at the Master Brewers Brewing and Malting Science course, and Cassie has recently made a lot of friends in the brewing and malting industry for her work developing the hot steep method. Bob and Cassie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks, John. Happy to be here. We'll talk about the hot steep method in a bit, but first, let's talk about your most recent article in the Master Brewers Technical Quarterly, Kilned versus Roasted, a Differentiation of Caramelized Specialty Malts. Your article not only explains the differences in production of various caramel malts, but it also provides brewers with some tools to determine how any given malt was made via sensory observations. Cassie, how about kicking things off with an explanation of how caramel malts are produced in a roaster? So caramel malts produced in a roaster start with just a few thousand pounds of green malt. Um, This is at high moisture, typically 40 to 45 percent. And the design of the drum allows the moisture to be retained. The drum rotates the entire time and there's paddles inside. So this promotes homogeneity of the kernels because the heat is evenly applied. So you have um, a consistent color and flavor development throughout those kernels. Uh, The entire process takes about two to four hours. As opposed to a kiln, this is done at low fan speed, high heat, short time. And what you actually have happen is a a mini mash occurring in each and every kernel. 
Um, and the temperatures that are achieved in a roaster are are truly high enough for caramelization to occur in the sugars. Okay, great. So, Bob, tell us about how caramel malts are produced on a kiln instead. Well, a kiln is basically a large room where the grain is laid out. Typically, an entire batch from a germination cycle is laid out uh, into a very deep layer, typically one and a half to to maybe even three feet high. Uh, Normally, during the kilning process, the drying of malt can take as long as 24 hours, and the objective is to preserve enzymes and keep as little color as possible. This is obviously diametrically opposed to what you want to do in making a caramel-style malt. So the kiln has to be run differently than normal and potentially modified. The kiln has to be able to achieve very high heats, um, and that is to achieve not only hopefully some caramelization, but also just to create the intense colors and flavors that are going to be expected. It's very difficult to heat a large room, and malt laid in a layer a foot and a half to three feet thick is an insulator um, and dynamically changes as you heat it. The malt below absorbs heat and therefore the air that the top stuff is exposed to is cooler um, and potentially moister. So it's not uniform uh, at all within the kiln. So one difficulty is achieving high temperatures because it requires much greater heats than are normally used for a much greater thermal input than is normally used for regular malt production. The second is to try to retain moisture. Caramelization reaction requires sugars, and the Malliard reaction requires moisture. The kilns can be set up to do some recirculation to a limited extent, but oftentimes maltsters will have another means of influencing the moisture within the applied heats in the kiln, such as applying steam uh, to the kiln along with the heat. That is direct injection of steam to maintain higher moisture within the kiln during the heating phase. You can understand, though, that it's very difficult to have the entire layer and the whole room in a, in a uniform moisture and temperature condition. So you get a real differential between the uh, bottom of the kiln and the top of the kiln. Your end goal is to try to create colors and flavors, some of those hopefully through caramelization, which will require longer holding times, which isn't the course problem, but higher moistures and moderate conditions to get some sugar conversion prior to um, going to higher heats to dry it out and create color. All right. Very good. Cassie, I'd like listeners to hear about the flavor expectations from from roasting versus kilning. Could you talk about the differences in flavors uh, and, and flavor for these two methods of caramel malt production and the varying degrees of non-enzymatic browning that, that drives those flavor differences? Okay, so the, the two different processes of making caramel malt in a roaster and in a kiln, they're, they're actually promoting different reaction pathways. So caramel malt produced in a roaster is going to um, be more, more prevalent with caramelization reaction derived flavors. And the caramel malt that's produced on a kiln will be dominated by the Maillard reaction flavors with, uh, to a limited extent, some influence of caramelization that may have happened simultaneously with the Maillard reaction. So you can expect a caramel malt produced on a roaster would be more described as caramel, toffee, burnt sugar, molasses, raisin, etc. These types of candy-like flavors that um, people might associate with with um, 
with caramel or with candy. And then the caramel malts that are produced on a kiln would be more described as biscuit, graham cracker, baked bread, bread crust, um, all these sort of descriptors that are really more in the bread family. Coming up. Or maybe you have a bag of malt that you have not properly stored and you're wondering if you don't want to waste it. Can you use it? Um, You can prepare that sample and do a sensory evaluation. I'm John Bryce, and you're listening to the Master Brewers Podcast from the Master Brewers Association of the Americas. Support for this podcast is brought to you by ABS Commercial is a full-service brewery and parts outfitter. From our Raleigh headquarters to our Denver office, we proudly offer brew houses and fermenters from three barrels and up, yeast brinks, boilers, kegs, chillers, triclamp, and other stainless parts, all with the quickest delivery and lead times in the industry. Learn more at abs-commercial.com or call 877-BREW-ABS. ABS Commercial. We are brewers. Additional support provided by... Whitcomb Selinski McAuliffe PC serves all brewers in registering and protecting trademarks, navigating the label approval process, and assisting with OSHA inspections and safety compliance. Please go to WSMLawPC.com for more information. Here's what's coming up on the Master Brewers calendar. The District St. Paul, Minneapolis, February meeting and scholarship drive is February 21st at Bueller in Plymouth, Minnesota. District St. Louis meets February 21st at Third Wheel Brewing. District Carolina's winter technical conference is February 23rd at Old Mecklenburg Brewery in Charlotte. The 2019 California Joint Technical Conference is February 28th and March 1st in Paso Robles. District Northern Rockies meets in, meets March 1st in Bozeman. District Philadelphia meets at Flying Fish Brewing in Somerdale, New Jersey, March 8th. District Eastern Canada meets in Montreal March 21st. District St. Louis also meets on March 21st at Urban Chestnuts Grove location. Don't miss the Maintaining a Clean Brewery webinar March 28th. It's not too early to start making plans for the 2019 Master Brewers Conference. If you can only make it to one conference in 2019, this should be it. We're really mixing things up this time and heading to the Calgary Convention Center to see how Alberta celebrates Halloween. Check out the full calendar of events at mbaa.com for more details or to find a district meeting near you. Now back to the show. Bob, at the end of your article, um, you mentioned some of the uh, pros, practical pros and cons of roasted versus kiln-made caramel malts. Could you talk about some of the different strategies you've seen brewers deploy for, for the different uses? Sure. Um, and, you know, of course, we serve home brewers. Uh, as maltsters, we serve home brewers, craft brewers, large brewers. Um, one is just in simply how they're used. Caramel malts, or I would say crystal-style caramel malts produced on a roaster, are basically fully converted wort that are trapped inside a you know a convenient container uh, of husk for filtration, um, and therefore there are certain brewers that will just steep those in warm water uh, to get the extractable 
sugar content and color and flavor. Uh, oftentimes you see this with home brewers that are brewing from extract or regional or smaller brewers that are brewing from extract in that they will do not a full enzymatic conversion, but just a high temperature steeping of grain to get the extractable colors and flavors from them, add their base extract, and then be off to the races. That can be done with a crystal style malt. A kilned produced malt, because of the starchy endosperm, actually has to go through an enzymatic conversion. Um, so you, it's not quite as flexible in that it has to be processed through that step. Uh, there are also enzymes required for that conversion, which are typically absent in the grain. Uh, one of the things that often craft brewers don't realize is they say, well, you know, I don't have to worry about having a lot of adjuncts because I'm, I'm not, or a lot of enzymes because I'm not doing adjunct brewing. But high temperature processed malts, if they're not converted like a crystal malt, are essentially adjuncts. You know, they contain starch that needs to be converted. So it's just important to understand, you know, what your malt has to know how to use it and in which, which ways you can use it. And using roaster produced malt, other than flavor considerations, which we'll, we'll talk about, um, and flavor purity, also processing them is a little bit different. Um, crystal produced malt, uh, you can open up your mill because it's going to make a lot of clattering and be uh, uh, hard, to, uh, hard to mill, but the extract is really there and easily accessible. You don't need to degrade the kernel to get it. You basically get the kernel warm and it gives up its extract in a mash. Uh, kiln produced uh, type caramel malt is going to have a mealy endosperm. Um, it will mill more like a regular base malt and um, it will need to go through uh, some conversion and so therefore be the right type of particle size to easily give up its extract. So using them kind of, you know, there's just some subtle differences and, and possibilities with one versus the other depending on what a brewer is trying to do. Bob, you know, we kind of forgot to define the term crystal malt Maybe you could take a second to explain to brewers uh, what they can assume when a maltster uses the term crystal malt. Well, we've mentioned that there are different types of production methods and characteristics for malts that are included within the general terminology of caramel. And there's two main ones. There's roaster produced, which makes um, basically kernels that have a crystalline center. And then there's kiln produced, which are, are not going to be crystalline. So one of the distinguishing factors that is almost uni uh, universally applied is that when a maltster across the world calls something a crystal malt, they are specifically referring to a roaster produced caramel malt. Where if they were just called a caramel malt, you don't know what the method of production was. So crystal malt is normally produced for is normally a term that's reserved for roaster produced caramel malt. Cassie, uh, how can a brewer tell whether a bag of caramel malt was made in a roaster or on a kiln? A brewer can actually do a very simple sensory evaluation um, to have a pretty good guess of how a caramel malt was made. The first thing is uh, the physical appearance of the kernels. If you were to cut them open, if you had a, a cross cutter or if you just cut a few kernels open with a knife and you looked inside, you would see that caramel malts produced in a roaster are glassy um, because of that uh, conversion and crystallization process they go through in the roaster where the mini mashes occurred and uh, the sugars were produced and then it was dried and it, it hardens and it actually looks like glass. 
Um, so you would look for that shiny, glassy appearance in a roaster-produced caramel malt. If you had a kiln-produced caramel malt, you would see... Um, if you cut open, you know, quite a few kernels, maltsters have a, a cross-cutting device where we can look at 50 kernels at a time. And what we would expect on a roasted caramel is that most all of them are going to be glassy. But on a kiln caramel, most all of them are going to be mealy. They, um, they don't they aren't able to go through that same conversion and crystallization process that happens in the roaster just because of the process limitations that are restricted on the kiln. So um, in general, you would look for a hard glassy interior on a roasted caramel and you would look for um, a mealy interior on a kilned caramel. You could also um, taste the kernels. You could use uh, the hot steep method. You could prepare a standard wort from them, and you would see some some differences where the roaster produced caramel malt will have flavors that are more associated with the caramelization process. So your caramel, toffee, burnt sugar, etc. And the kilned caramel would have flavors that are more associated with the Maillard reaction and um, tend to be more along the lines of a, of a, of a biscuit or a, a bread kind of association. It seems that everywhere I go lately, I hear someone talking, usually with great excitement, about the hot steep method. Listeners can search Brees hot steep method on YouTube to actually see it in action. But Cassie, why don't you tell us about the hot steep method what exactly is it? Why did it come about? And why did you develop it? It's actually just a rapid wort, product, uh, wort preparation method. Um, so similar in the way that the Congress mash was developed with the sole intention of determining the um, maximum theoretical extract yield of a malt sample. The hot steep method is a wort preparation method that was determined solely for the purpose of evaluating the sensory attributes of a malt. Um, the original intention for, for Brees to invest time in developing this method was to have an internal sensory method that was rapid and to have something that um, we could use when time was limited or to have something that we could share with our customers or with home brewers. So our intention was to make it fast and easy and affordable. Um, but it just so happened around this time that the ASBC Sensory Technical Subcommittee had communicated a need for a rapid malt sensory method um, and not even just malt hops too. They were interested in really pragmatic approaches to doing raw material sensory. Um, there was a gap identified by the Brewers Association that, you know, people didn't quite understand malt flavor. They didn't know how to talk about malt flavor. They didn't know how to evaluate it. So our interest aligned at that time. And so I was able to work on it to meet the needs um, that we had internally, but also to meet the needs that the industry had expressed that that they had and the ASBC was able to deliver that through the validation um, collaboration study that I had mentioned with the nine sensory panels. So there was a lot of investment in, in time from Brees, but also a lot of investment with all of the collaborators in the ASBC. It was a, it was an, a great group effort. And um, as, as you've mentioned, you've heard a lot about this method. So that just goes to show that the, you know, the excitement is well-founded. It was needed and people are finding it very useful. It's being applied at all levels of the supply chain um, from the feedback that I'm getting. So this has, has been a really 
strong year for, for raw material sensory, but definitely a really good year for malt. Great. Well, congrats again on doing that. Um, like you said, it sounds like the, the it was certainly there was certainly a need for it in the industry. But for those brewers out there that maybe um, are hearing about it for the first time, um, why don't you talk a little bit about sort of uh, what are some of the practical applications for the average craft brewer to use this hop steep hot steep method uh, in, in their breweries? Sure. I, I kind of say there's there's three main applications for this method. The first one's quality control, and that's less applicable to, to the craft brewer. Um, typically, you're not going to hot steep every malt that you get, every bag that you open, every truck that you receive. It's, um, it's far too time intensive. And from a lot of the craft beers or craft brewers that I've communicated with, they would tend to chew malt kernels at that point because they're really only looking for major significant defects defects in the grain. Um, So a a larger application for craft brewers would be um, quality assurance or looking at occasional situations that have arised in your brewery where you might need to investigate malt flavor. Maybe you have um, a flavor defect down the line and you're wondering, does it trace back to the malt? You could steep your retain sample, or maybe you have a bag of malt that you have not properly stored and you're wondering if you don't want to waste it. Can you use it? Um, You can prepare that sample and do a sensory evaluation. And the application that brewers are definitely the most excited about is research and development they're able to take new recipes that they might be designing and they can scale it down to 50 grams then they can taste it in the hot steep port and they can see how all those malts interact with each other or if they're looking for a new malt that they've never tasted before or they're looking for a new supplier they can do side-by-side standard words and they can have a really well-informed sensory evaluation to make supplier decisions or to make um, their purchasing decisions or just to to be creative and, and to try new things and try new combinations. So I think for craft brewers, the excitement is really all about the research and development, but um, it's also useful to have something to investigate any any sort of unexpected issue that comes up. But for the most part, I think craft brewers are leaving the quality control to the maltsters, and then they're adding this to their sensory toolbox for occasional situations and, and creativity. If you enjoyed today's interview with Cassie and Bob, be sure to check out their article in the Master Brewers Technical Quarterly, Volume 54, Number 1. You can get there from the publications menu or by typing specialty malts into the industry's best search bar at mbaa.com. 130 years ago, Master Brewers was built on the concept of brewers helping each other out so we could all make the best possible beer. That's still true to this day, and it's where a lot of the camaraderie in this industry originated. Master Brewers' award-winning Ask the Brewmasters is the best place to go for troubleshooting, where you'll find the industry's only discussion forum that's moderated for technical accuracy by a team of experts. See what everyone else is talking about at community.mbaa.com. My heart full of rage
can't get stuck, I can't be losing too much. I'm 